everyone. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Find Glass. This is a podcast about all things wine that we hope will provide you a little bit more insight into what can often be a very mysterious world of alcohol. I'm Phoebe, and I am a 10-year industry veteran of the wine business, and I have worked on many different sides of the business, from beating the streets of Manhattan selling wine to spending many dark days down in the cellar of a winery in Sonoma learning how to make wine, to managing a section of an import business across the Western US. And now I manage a winery in Greece. And I'm Yambo. Phoebe and I have known each other for, I think, close to 15 years now. And I'm a complete amateur when it comes to wine. We actually met in college in course on Italian gastronomic history. And funnily enough, I feel like food has always been a part of my life, having grown up on an oyster farm in Oregon, but that naturally segged into wine. And now I I love to drink wine, I love to learn about wine, but don't work in the industry and definitely appreciate how confusing and, and bewildering it can be to delve into this fabulous and interesting world. So we are hoping to bring you some different perspectives on wine and how to get involved. We feel like we get a lot of questions from people, friends, strangers around, you know, how do I get started? I, I want to know more about wine, but it's understandable that it seems like such an intimidating topic. So we want to hopefully break it down for you guys a little bit. So hopefully this will be the first of many episodes, and we're definitely interested in hearing from you if there are topics that you think would be particularly interesting. It's very apropos in many ways that we're we're doing this together because we actually met in college in a wonderful Italian seminar about gastronomy and culinary history taught by Professor Pietro Frassica. Oh, uh, Yes. It's so wonderful. So I think what we are planning to do today is to do a series of 10 questions. And we have a few different topics in mind, but today's is really simple. It's just around how do I get started? Like Phoebe said, for so many of our friends who love to drink wine, but maybe they don't know all of the specifics about certain grape varietals or you know how to really navigate a long wine list at a restaurant. This is our shot at sort of a beginner's take on how to get started. Exactly. Okay. So the first question, I guess, is Phoebe, if I'm interested in wine, where would I begin? Yeah. So this is a great question. And one of the questions that we probably hear the most and I think the easiest way to classify it would be think of wine as as you do with any other category, whether it's movies or books or food, and try not to worry about messing up. I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves around wine because they think, oh, it's you know fancy, cultural, affordable luxury, and. I'm going to be embarrassed or, you know, embarrass myself if I do it the wrong way. And what I tell people is like anything else, whether it's a movie or a dish of food, learning what you don't like is as important as learning what you do like. So just go for it. When you're in a store, grab bottles that pop out to you. Don't be afraid to just 
try new things. And, and if you do end up with something that you don't like, that's okay. You'll make a note of that. And then it might change as well. There, each bottle is so different and each producer has their own style that can also change vintage to vintage. So for a while, I thought that I didn't like California Chardonnays pretty flatly across the board, but I continued trying them. I found some styles that I did like and ultimately realized there is that big, buttery, oaky, California-style Chardonnay is not so much my preference, but there are beautiful white burgundies that are very expensive and not as much in my price range, but Yanmo and I have had a great time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like just trying things is such an important part of getting started because the barrier to entry is more often than not just almost this paralysis around not being able to choose or, you know, having too much choice and and not being able to make any moves. So I definitely agree that just diving in and picking up a few things at your local wine shop is a great way to start. Do you have any thoughts on how you might go about doing that if you were just walking into a store, Phoebe? Yeah. So, you know, depending on what your budget is, I think the $20 price category is a great price to quality ratio to start with. So, I mean, you could quite literally walk into a store, try to pick a few different labels, a few different varietals from different regions and just grab whatever has your attention, whatever jumps off the shelf at you. When you get home, I always think it's a good idea, especially when you're starting out, put the labels into Google, see what you get from all the search results. You'll see average prices. You'll see notes from people who've tasted them or the same wine over the years and see you know, comments on aging. If you want to dive into more specifics, I think getting one of these reference books can be really helpful. I, When I was starting, got the James Robinson book, called wine and you know these are massive textbook style books that are really more encyclopedic than anything else but they can be a really helpful way to give you an unopinionated fact-based background on whatever you're drinking so kevin's Raley's windows into wine i think that's the name is really helpful and then you know if you prefer online resources i think the wine folly blog is a solid website that answers a number of different or addresses a number of different topics from introductory to more in-depth. It's super digestible and very, you know, has a very friendly approach to wine. I remember reading through these when we were talking about what we would say and what we would discuss in this episode. And I love those ideas. And I actually got a copy of the book and it's sort of this really simple reference guide that is just really useful. You know, if you pick up a bottle and you're not quite sure where that varietal is grown, or if you want to see what are the typical profiles for a certain type of grape, um, it's really perfect for that. Mm-hmm. I also really like to catalog everything that I try. And I think part of that has to do with personality, of course. Mm-hmm. I like to organize everything. 
but I have just found that really helpful in remembering what I've tried, what I like, and what I don't like, just because it's so easy to go to dinner and have a really great bottle with friends and then completely forget the next day what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the saddest parts about learning is that because of the nature of wine and alcohol (laughs) is that the environments in which we're usually consuming and learning often mean that we're also forgetting or not prioritizing recording what we're having. And if you can make a little bit of time for that, either afterwards or during, you know, just jotting a few notes down, don't feel bad that if you're not at Yonbo's level of Google Docs or anything like that, or Google Sheets, but find whatever works for you. And being able to refer back to what you've learned already will really help you on your journey of really accurately figuring out what you do like and having a record of how your palate changes if you feel like it does. Mm-mm. Yeah. I feel like another interesting way to get started, which maybe if you have an especially hard time choosing with COVID-19, everyone has been at home more, cooking more. And sometimes I think you can really take a dish that you really enjoy. And with some really light online research, you can pull a few ideas for what could go well with that dish. And that can be a really excellent starting point. You can experiment, you can buy some different bottles, it can be a great entry point into a new region that maybe is undiscovered as of yet for you. And I actually remember that once, many years ago, when we were in New York, we were having drinks with one of your friends and she had this, she had red hair and these blunt bangs and many hats in her apartment. And she told me that Sangiovese goes really well with tomato sauces because she had, she had some explanation around the soil. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but that was such a great recommendation. And I remember making a pasta that just like a really simple pasta with a tomato based sauce and going to my local wine shop and finding a Sangiovese and it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Vanessa. Yeah, that was such a fun night. She was someone I worked with in New York at our distributor and she's fantastic and incredibly accomplished in the wine world. I remember that night we had so much fun. We opened bottle after bottle of delicious wine and bubbles and we were comparing something like a Rotor Hermitage out of coupe glasses versus a white wine glass and learning about the differences of an experience based on the glass that you drink it out of. And, you know, we'd been having a bit of a long night by this point, so I'm not sure that we fully appreciated it, but at the time it was fun. (laughs) (laughs) She had so many. (laughs) And then I think another way that I've been enjoying learning about new things or, you know, in the spirit of getting started, just being introduced to different wines is tastings at just your local wine bar, like a neighborhood wine bar, somewhere that's like fairly casual. I think that can be such a great way to try a selection of things in in one sitting because, you know, it's, it's kind of hard if you're, let's say, one or two people and you really want to try a variety of... Of, of wines from one region. There are just only so many bottles you can open in a smaller group. But I think that some of these 
local wine bars that do tastings maybe on Saturday or Sunday afternoons. They're often organized around a region or a grape. I really loved one at a little place called Authentique here in London that I went to with some friends from work. And I am definitely looking forward to going back there now that things mm-hmm. are opening up. Yeah, that's a great point. I think the wine bars are one of the best ways to replicate going to wine country and going to wineries. There are so many different wine bars these days. And here in San Francisco, we're about an hour from Napa and Sonoma. So it's easy for people to get up there all the time. But if you don't live close to or can't get to wine country, then there are wine bars now that are representative or will specialize in California wine, or they're specialized in European wine, or, you know, a certain ABA within the U.S. and you know, or natural wine. There are so many different styles of wine bars these days. So, looking up ones near you are a really great way to expose yourself to wines from all over the world. I think that generally the folks who are running and work at places like this are incredibly knowledgeable. They're super helpful if you do get a chance to really talk to them about what they're carrying. But at the end of the day, for me, it comes back to the idea of, you know, wine experts love to tell people what they should like or what they shouldn't, so what's good and what's not good. And for me, it's it's about what you like. And you don't necessarily, you can't necessarily expect your palate to be the same as what someone else is, is. And so if someone thinks, one wine is great. That does not mean that you will also think it's great. I mean, there are there are certain baseline qualifications that make a wine good, right? Being that it is chemically correct, being that it has good quality grapes in you know at its base level. But other than that, it's it's about what you like. So don't forget to prioritize that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's kind of the perfect segue into the next question, which is, what do you think is the best way to buy wine? Yeah, this is a tough one because I know now that so much of the world is looking at e-commerce and there is so much option, there's so much availability and so many different options for people these days. So I think keeping it simple at the outset can be really helpful. So I would do something like develop a relationship with your local store. So, you know, most cities, neighborhoods have a local wine shop somewhere within reach. And the people who work at these places are typically incredibly passionate, have been in the industry for a really long time and have great perspectives that they will share with you. You'll find the best prices at somewhere like Costco, but the selection is actually more limited and there isn't often someone in the store to speak with or ask questions of. And then on the other end, the online retailers are fantastic and have so much selection, great information, and are incredibly convenient, but I think that it's difficult to narrow in on something there if you don't go in already knowing what you want. And you can't necessarily, you know, they have little chat modules there that you can ask questions of someone while you're on the website, but it's not quite the same as developing a relationship with someone and learning what they bring in that's new that might be similar to what you had last time that you really liked. And I think that's where the relationship part will really make a difference. Those little shops love 
they love it as well. They love developing relationships with their consumers and being able to see people regularly and say, you know, hey, we just got this in. I know, I know you would like this based on what you said last time. And the other part of that is that they probably won't be swayed by incentives like any other industry. Each layer of the wine industry, whether it's distributor, importer, retailer, is spurred by incentives from someone else, typically like monetary incentives, who sell a certain number of cases of this or hit your goal on selling that. And so that just means that sometimes the recommendations that you receive from a place are not necessarily completely reflective on the quality of the wine. They are externally motivated. And that's obviously frustrating because there's not a lot as a consumer that you can do about that. But People don't often swindle their friends, so that's where your relationship is a good one to prioritize developing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I've certainly found that to be true. I mean, in my neighborhood in in London, there are you know a handful of just really lovely shops, and there's that one that we went to when you came to visit once called Ovier Comtois, and they're a neighborhood shop, and you can buy a bottle, and there's a little restaurant downstairs where they'll open something that you bought in the shop upstairs, and I think there are also restaurants now in London that are doing mixed cases that their sommelier curates, which I have never tried that personally, but I think that that could also be a really interesting way to test out new things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the restaurants have done a great job of pivoting during COVID. The other thing that, you know, I feel like we've done this a couple of times together is I also love the enomatic machines that sometimes the bigger wine shops or even department stores have, you know, they're the big, they're, they're the sort of fancy looking metal dispensers and you can find some real gems sometimes that are, you know, that you can have a little tasting pour of in those machines. Absolutely. I, I love those. I get so excited every time I see one because it typically means that a restaurant bar, wherever you are, has heavily invested in providing more accessible high-end wine to people. They're typically putting their more expensive bottles in there and you can pay you know, 15 bucks for three, a three ounce pour, which is, may sound like nothing, but when it's a 1986 bottle of Sassicaia or something that you probably never would have had in your life or maybe not for a very long time, it's a really, really thoughtful way for producers to reach consumers on a broader basis. And then I guess, yeah, that, that's, that's really what I would say. It sounds like we're, we would, summarize that by saying that relationships are super important check out your local spot and keep stay open-minded you know try a lot of different things and then once you are really into this process and you are looking for different things and you want to expand your exposure to different avenues or want to get suggestions from other places i think yonbo you had an interesting journey of trying to find places that you like to get suggestions for what is great what have you found that really works for you well my favorite source of suggestions is you so that's where I think that many of them. 
So if you don't have a Phoebe, you know, hopefully you have another friend who can give you great suggestions. But really, I think that friends are are wonderful for suggestions and especially very well-informed experts like yourself, Phoebe. Outside of that, I definitely read the wine recommendations in the weekend newspaper. I'm very old-fashioned, so I still read print newspaper and I love it. I hope it never goes away. And, you know, those are, yes, they are like very, they're generic recommendations. They are not necessarily high-end or very niche. But honestly, I think they're really good to read just to know, you know, what's out there. What are the different even opinions on price to value? Sometimes I learn about new things through those weekend recommendations. So I think that that's one thing. Another thing that I've really enjoyed during COVID-19 is just some of the online resources that different venues have made available. So there's a wine club here in London called 67 Palmall. And during COVID-19, they were doing these free online Zoom discussions with really fabulous producers and sommeliers and also staff from the club, which um, honestly, those were really excellent. And they did these pairings. So you could also have the wine tasting to do at home. And I honestly don't know how they decanted the wine, but you would get sent this lovely little parcel of tasting flights that were just delightful. And I really enjoyed that. It was an easy way to spend 45 minutes learning about something. And that was fabulous. I I wish we could do that together, actually. I would love to do that the next time that you come to London. Maybe we can go there and and do something in person. Um, But other than that... Yeah, so we'll have to do it. But other than that, I think the main thing for me is just taking notes. Like so many recommendations also come as, how do you say it? They're sort of off the cuff sidebar comments. You'll hear someone mention a producer or you'll hear an incredible vintage in a certain region. And in those passing conversations, again, it's so easy to just forget it and and never remember it again. So taking notes of all of those little recommendations and then just trying to follow up on that and test them out for yourself. I definitely have a tab in my Google Sheet for wine where I've listed not just what I've had, but also what I want to, what I want to try and things that people have recommended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's super important. You know, finding some app that you like that helps you record what you find will be really helpful. And to your point about 67 Palma, they did such a nice job of adapting their seminars so quickly. And I remember in the Burgundy one that we, the seminar that we attended online, there were so many comments from people in the comment thread asking whether they'd be able to start shipping internationally. And, you know, unfortunately the response for the time being was no. I agree. I think friends are obviously the most trustworthy source. Although if you are, you happen to find yourself in a situation where not a lot of your friends are that into wine and you don't have that access, then I think constantly checking Google is a great way to figure out 
how you like to digest information. We're so lucky that we have so much information available to us these days. And the really well-known wine reviewers like Jancis Robinson, Antonio Galloni, James Lobb, Jasper Morris, some of these big names will record or publish on a number of different platforms. And the more you read reviewers like that, you'll find that you start to identify more and more with one or another, and you can figure out whose recommendations you really like. I would just, one note of caution around that would be paying more attention to the words rather than any numbers or points associated with the review, because points can get really messy and they're not always accurate. They're not always fair. And that's, you know, that's a whole nother podcast episode for another time. But (laughs) other than that, I think we've always had a good time, Yanbo, like chatting with the Psalms or bartender in whatever place we're drinking at. And I think when you have the opportunity to chat with someone like that or the person who's working in the store, asking them what they've been enjoying lately not necessarily a recommendation for you personally, but putting the onus on them to describe their own enjoyment and their own preferences allows them to share really honest information without the pressure of having to feel like they have to find something that will make you happy. And I think that information Mm -hmm. you can get from them is a lot more interesting, honest, usually they'll talk about something funky like orange wine from Georgia, or you'll hear about a category that you wasn't even on your radar possibly. So other than that, you know, when you get into higher, higher priced wine, there are various newsletters from other reviewers or wine industry experts. And one that I like is Mike Zima's Psalm Picks newsletter. And he he brings in some special discoveries from especially France, sometimes Italy. And those are higher end gems and specialized discoveries that can be really nice to hear about as well. Mm. And what about at the grocery store? So are they good places to buy wine? And how would you choose? Like you mentioned that the point systems are not, they're imperfect, let's say. If I'm not sure what I want and I'm trying to pick. How do I go about choosing? Yeah, grocery stores are tough. I mean, I love them because they can carry such a variety and they have so many great options. The variation is really satisfying. And, you know, I'm really only referring to grocery stores in the US, which have maybe one aisle of wine, whereas you go to Europe and you have grocery stores with three aisles of wine. That can be incredibly intimidating and difficult to decipher. So I think that for a new wine consumer, the extensive collection is actually a difficult thing to start with. So, you know, again, I think the small local shop is a great place to start. Ultimately, when you have a better sense of what you like and you know what you're looking for, a grocery store can be a great place to just grab a bottle of wine, right? It's very convenient. But I would also be aware of, like any other category of grocery, the placement of the wines on the shelf or in the aisle is strategic, right? So what's at eye level are probably the things that they sell the most of, and so they're perpetuating the sale of a certain category or of a certain producer who has probably paid more 
to have that placement or, you know, they have paid more supported with marketing dollars in order to have those stacks in the aisle or at the end of the aisle on the end cap. So it's, that also is kind of externally motivated and really susceptible to other factors aside from just the quality of the wine, which is again, why I think the local shop is actually a better place to get started. Okay, and that concludes the first section of our 10-question series on how do I get started. We'll cut it off at these first five, and please make sure to join us next time to hear about the second five questions. We'll be covering everything from pairings to how to learn for your learning style and how to pick five favorite bottles. And you'll hear the uh, selections that Yombo and I painfully tried to narrow down into. That was a question contributed by a very good friend of ours, which actually turned out to be a very tricky and difficult question. So we look forward to talking to you about it next week. See you next time. Thanks for joining us.